You're listening to Two Guys on Politics with former Congressman Bill Lipinski and former Chicago City Hall reporter Ray Hanania. Two Guys on Politics examines the perspective of Reagan Democrats. Enjoy the show. It's been interesting. We got a lot of good response from people. Uh, they're uh, interested in, you know, the Reagan Democratic approach to politics. And we don't see that that often anymore, do we? Like a Reagan Democratic uh, filter or interpretation of events as much as we used to. No, not at all. Uh, we don't have any presidents getting together with the speaker of a different part in uh, putting forth uh, legislation that uh, is good for the American people. Yeah. And not to dwell on it, but just let, let's remind people, what is a Reagan Democrat? You know, how do you, how do we define it? I don't know if we actually defined it at all. How, how no, do you define we, it? We haven't defined it. And uh, uh, I think that uh, Reagan, Ronald Reagan uh, believed in God. Uh, he believed in religion. He believed uh, in uh, the family. Uh, he believed in being strongly patriotic. Uh, he believed that America was the greatest country uh, on earth. He believed that it's special and unique because that's the way the Lord wanted it to be. And he believed that the uh, it should be a beacon for the rest of the world to guide by. Uh, I think that's what Ronald Reagan believes. Uh, that's what he said. I believe him. Uh, and I think that many Reagan Democrats felt the... Uh, same way about things, uh, particularly they were very strong as far as patriotism. Yeah, and, and there was a category, we, we had to kind of define it, and Reagan Democrats is a perfect uh, label because there are a lot of Democrats who felt that the Democratic Party was too far to the left or headed in that direction. I mean, there were a lot of Democrats that were in the center, but a Reagan Democrat would be somebody that's, uh, you know, that believes in the Democratic Party, but has some conservative, you know, values, as you point out, like uh, family values, um, you know, uh, little stronger, you know, positions, I think, maybe on uh, abortion, not not a, being totally against abortion, but, you know, not wanting it to be like completely open for everybody to just do whatever they want, because that battle goes back and forth. But it was more of like a common sense approach in the middle, um, you know, where you have the best of both sides, um, with the exception of not embracing the extremism. That, that's how I always looked at no, it. Well, that's, uh, yeah, I felt, I felt the same way uh, about it. And as I say, you had Reagan working together with Tip O'Neill, a Democrat, to pass a lot of legislation to get a lot of things done uh, for the American people. Uh, as far as abortion, uh, uh, Reagan was uh, definitely pro-life, uh, but I can't really say that he attempted to pass any legislation uh, that was pro-life, and that was probably because he never really had uh, the House and the Senate with him when he was the president, and he knew unless you had both uh, parties, uh, both houses controlled by the same party, you weren't going to have any luck passing something such as that. Ironically, uh, people are concerned about pro-life uh, and uh, abortion rights. And they talk so much about the, you know, the House and the Senate doing something one way or another. And really all that the House or the Senate has ever done was restrict the use of federal money 
for abortions. Right. Uh, they've never tried to pass legislation outlawing abortion or permitting abortion, you know, on demand. It strictly has to do with the money that uh, may or may not be appropriated by the federal government uh, for abortions. Yeah, and that seems like a middle ground approach too, because you know the government's supposed to represent everybody, and as we know, um, abortion is a uh, very divisive uh, issue. Oftentimes, there's not a lot of middle ground, but that brings us into this whole thing about uh, you know we were talking earlier about uh, uh, wanting to address this withdrawal from Afghanistan and how the news media has really kind of you know, I don't know. It's just they're not paying attention to it the, the way they would have if, if Trump were still president. If he were still president, we'd be hearing about all the people that are being killed in Afghanistan by the Taliban now. Uh, we'd be hearing about how terrible this was, an insult to the memory of September 11th. But it doesn't seem like that's what's happening. It seems like they're trying to push it away, right? Well, and aren't they using just- abortion? We discussed the news media before, and we had agreed that uh, the news media uh, is on the side of uh, the Democrats and Joe Biden, and uh, they are going to do little or nothing uh, that will uh, in any way reflect negatively on the Democrats or Joe Biden. Uh, I don't know if they've been driven uh, to that position because of their relationship with President Trump, or have they been steadily marching to the left uh, as the Democratic Party marched to the left. But no matter what the situation has been, the fact of the matter is now the news media is definitely uh, just like an arm of the Democratic Party. Yeah, um, and it, and, and, very and, and the country. Yeah, and this, this is, I don't think even this discussion is about who's better, Trump or Biden, or who you, we support, Trump or Biden. But it's really about, you know, we don't we expect better from the news media. The news media is supposed to report and inform. Um, you know, news stories are supposed to be objective. Um, and, and opinion columns, obviously, are, are partisan views, individual opinions, but they're labeled as opinions. So if I write something, you know, it's my opinion. But a news story, you know, people assume that, oh, these are the facts. This is what's actually happening. The news says everything's good in Afghanistan, it must be good, right? And they did, you know, the news media, I am sure, has information on things uh, that they have not broadcast to the American people because it would be uh, something negative about the Biden administration. I was watching television Sunday morning. I was watching uh, the program that has, uh, what's his first name? Chris Wallace. Chris Wallace. Yeah, Chris Wallace. And he was interviewing a Republican congressman who was the ranking member of the Armed Services Committee. And he uh, said that there were five planes on the tarmac at a airport in northern Afghanistan uh, being stopped from taking off by the Taliban. That was the first I had heard of it. Excuse me. There hadn't been any talk about it from the White House. There was no talk about it from the news media. And I thought maybe this guy was excuse me, having a flight of fantasy. Uh, But uh, shortly after he made these pronouncements on the the Mike Wallace news program, uh, the White House came out and said, yes, indeed, uh, there were these uh, five uh, 
planes on the tarmac in northern Afghanistan. Uh, the people on the planes were some Afghanistan people, some American citizens, and the Taliban was stopping them from taking off because many of the people didn't have the proper identification, the pop, proper uh, papers. Now, I don't know if the administration would ever have announced that uh, if it hadn't been for this congressman. Uh, I believe he's from California, but I'm not positive. But he's the ranking member of the Armed Services Committee. If he had not brought it up, I'm not sure the White House would have uh, uh, let us in on it. I don't think the news media would have let us in on it. Sure, and, because that contradicted all the things that we've been hearing about. Oh, they're going to work with us. They're going to let people go. Everything will be fine. That certainly raised an issue about whether, in fact, you could trust, you know, the Taliban, right? The way uh, well, I, I think you just hit the nail nail on the head uh, because of their refusal to be honest and straightforward. Both the news media and the Biden administration with the American people, we're having a hard time believing anything that they say it. And I think that this is going to hurt them in the long run as far as the elections. Now the elections are you know, uh, over a year away, but I think because of the way they've handled Afghanistan, uh, they are gonna have a serious problem in the elections a year from November. Yeah, I think we talked a little bit about this, that the midterms election, midterm elections tend to always lean toward the party that's not in control of the White House. So whoever has the White House, there's a tendency for that party, whichever party controls the White House, to lose seats in the House and maybe some in the Senate. So, but I, I agree with you. I, I think the media and I think the Biden administration want to get away from Afghanistan, want to get away from the Taliban. I'm not sure how they expect they can do that because we're right in the middle of the 20th anniversary of the September 11th terrorist attacks. And I don't think Al-Qaeda could have done what they did to us without the support of the Taliban that they got. And, and I, I don't think... That totally. Yeah, and I don't think we've seen... I don't think the media is exploring the reality of the Taliban the way they would if somewhere, someone else were president that they didn't like, because the Taliban has been welcoming some of the former leaders of Al-Qaeda. You know, there's, you, I see these in the news reports from the BBC and The Guardian, you know, in uh, overseas. But I'm not seeing that here in the U.S., at least not in the big way that it should be, you know, presented. It's kind of being like they're tempering it, you know, they're kind of softening it to make it sound like it's not important. Well, I think that's the same narrative that the administration is putting out at the present time. Uh, yeah, they'd rather talk about the pro-life legislation that passed in Texas. They would rather talk about the things they're doing, try to uh, combat the, the COVID uh, problems that we are once again having, which are turning out to be rather significant because we have so many people in this country who refuse to uh, become vaccinated uh, when they had the opportunity. And unfortunately now many of them are, are paying for it. Uh, but uh, the, the Biden administration uh, to me has to get out. They, they view they have to get out from under Afghanistan because they didn't tell the truth about it in the first place. And anything that does manage to leak out is detrimental to their positions. So that's why there's this sudden focus. 
you know, they've turned, I know the media has turned the uh, Texas uh, legislation on uh, abortion into like some major reversal of the balance that we've had on abortion in this country. When you look at the law that they're passing in Texas, I mean, the wording is pretty extreme. It says that there'll be no uh, uh, abortions after six weeks, um, regardless of whether it's, you know, the uh, 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 a pregnancy that involves someone being raped or, you know, incest or one of those uh, restrictions. But the truth is that everybody that has analyzed this that I've read anyway, they've all said this law won't make it. It's insignificant. And yet they're turning it into like a major battlefield. Um, why do you think to distract attention from Afghanistan? That's what it looks like to me. Well, that's what it looks like to me also. But uh, the uh, pro-abortion lobby is very strong within the Democratic Party. Uh, so. Uh, the Democratic Party has to demonstrate to the people who raise so much money for them that they're anti any kind of restrictions uh, on abortion, because the leading abortionists in the country, you know, they want to have abortion on demand. Now, I don't want to go down the road right. of abortion, pro-life, so forth, because I'm pro-life, uh, with the exceptions. Uh, and uh, I also question the Texas law in regards to uh having citizens uh, turn people in uh, who are, you know, having abortions. Right. Uh, I but think that, that's and what, that's what the media wants us to do, right? They want us to have this debate because right. it's so contentious. There's no final answer. No one can agree. I mean, you know, people's sides are their sides. We seem to have come up with a balance that, you know, I mean, doesn't make everybody happy on either side. But they want to light a fuse under that, knowing that our anger will then focus on that instead of looking at what I think is this major, you know, mistake to just walk out of Afghanistan. I'm worried about what could happen, you know, in the future. And I'm just shocked, really, that the media has no uh, they're not even treating it the way when we left Vietnam, the harshness of you know, leaving Vietnam, uh, I think it was under uh, Nixon's successor, Gerald Ford, when we finally got out, right, in 75, I think he had taken over, and uh, they were so harsh, you know, about it, And uh, but there's none of that. It's like, okay, we're done. Let's move on. No, I, I'm, I'm worried about it. I don't, and I think a lot of Americans feel that way. Talking about that brings to mind... Uh, the press conference that Biden had uh, back in July. Right. I was very surprised that uh, in that press conference, uh, he did the uh, mistake saying that uh, uh, the North for the South. Right. Uh, he also talked about the helicopters removing people from rooftops uh, in uh, the capital of Hanoi, Hanoi. Right. Of North Vietnam. Uh, the capital of South Vietnam, of course, was Saigon, right. You know, right. Ho Chi Minh City today. Right. But uh, those are rather glaring errors uh, that he made in his press conference. And nobody picked up on it. I mean, it, it, again, I, I'm not trying to defend Trump or make this about Trump versus Biden, but it is the media. You can see how the media can take something 
and blow it up into a major scandal if they wanted to, like a mistake like that. Um, Trump made several mistakes like that, and they jumped all over. They turned it into front page stories. But nobody really said anything about those mistakes that Biden made. Um, and they well, just kind of glossed over them. Because many Republicans, you know, are talking about the fact that Biden mentally isn't up to the job. Right. And that, uh, right after the next election, uh, they're going to move on him and the, the Democratic Party is going to move on him and get his wife to get him to step down. <clears throat> Excuse me. So Camilla can uh, come in and be the uh, president. Uh, I think yeah. if, if Biden would have been more, more direct about Afghanistan, more truthful about it, Afghanistan, it would have helped him and the Democratic overall position. Right. Uh, but they've played so much into the narrative that the Republicans have been pushing that Biden is simply not up to the job uh, and that uh, uh, you'll see they're going to, the Democrats, when it's advantageous to them, will get rid of them. Wow. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I got to, I, you know, and that's a little concerning to me. I, I don't know anything about Kamala Harris. Um, she just came out of the blue. I'm not sure I really identify with a lot. And I'm a Democrat, maybe a conservative Democrat, a Reagan Democrat, but she doesn't really kind of appeal to me or reflect what I think is important. And it's worrisome. And uh, I, it just, the manipulation, though, that is taking place, we're not allowed to have a discussion about it. There's no discussion about what happened in Afghanistan. It's just a done deal. The media zipped it up and they want to move on to something else. There's no real discussion about Biden. You know, every, every senior obviously has some issues with memory and we understand it. But when, like, you know, as you noted in the, con in the bigger picture context, his not really being firm on Afghanistan or addressing it accurately. He was completely wrong in that July speech when he said, uh, you know, does he trust the Taliban? No, but the Afghan government is trained. We got them ready. They can take over. I'm completely confident in that. And, you know, it turns out that they had absolutely no strength to stand up once we left. And, and now we're in a quagmire that nobody wants to really address because it has consequences on the election coming up next year. Yeah, I, uh, uh, I think the country's really in a, uh, a bind here <clears throat> because uh, people are concerned about uh, Biden's mental capacity. Uh, they're also very concerned about the vice president taking over in his behalf because people don't know that much about her. her. Ironically, uh, she was a pretty conservative attorney general in California. Uh, she was, uh, as she is today, very liberal in the speeches that she gives. Uh, but in, in practice, as I say, she, she got a lot of criticism from the liberals in California because she was so conservative as the attorney general. But when you talk one way and act another way, people lose confidence in you. They don't trust you. That's the whole thing. Right. I don't think the American people have much confidence or trust in the Biden administration at the present time. And to me, it's all been self-inflicted. I think Joe Biden is a real nice guy. Uh, I don't agree with some of his uh, policies, but I don't really question his uh, mental capacity. Uh, but I think by 
his handlers, simply that he has handlers, telling him that he can't answer this question, he can't right. answer this question. I think that hurts him very much, hurts the Democrats very much. There, there was a poll taken in eight swing districts uh, by, uh, I think it was uh, ABC and uh, uh, public television uh, in these eight uh, congressional districts across the country uh, since the Afghanistan, Afghanistan situation has come to be the uh, every single race which are in <coughs> swing districts. Uh, the Republicans have increased their lead significantly. Uh, and the Democrats were in trouble, as everybody knows anyway, in next election because the historical fact about losing seats with the party that- In the midterm, yeah. Well, that what does that mean, though? I mean, what what do you think is going to happen then if, let's say that the you know the Republicans take back the House, uh, maybe they take the Senate. I mean, things are pretty close. Um, it, given all the numbers and the flip during the midterm, that doesn't seem under normal circumstances they probably would take it over. But it, but today it seems like there's a little more anger. They may actually do even better. The Republicans in winning you know, some of those seats back. What happens to uh, the U.S. when President Biden is in charge? Um, the media is, you know, partisan, leaning and protecting him. And we have a Republican House and let's say a Republican Senate. What happens to this country? That's very hard to say. If, if Joe, wanna, Joe wants to be nonpartisan, uh, I think Republicans and he uh, can get things done if the Republicans are willing to cooperate and work with him, or do they want to refrain from doing that, hoping that get, that gives their presidential candidate, whoever it is, uh, a better opportunity of defeating Biden, right? Or his vice president, if she turns out to be the presidential candidate. I don't think it's a good situation for the country. I believe in divided government. But in order for the divided government to be successful, you have to have people in both parties who are willing to cross the aisle you know, and work together for the good of the American people. Right now, I think the parties are so polarized that it's so difficult for either one of them to cross the aisle uh, and uh, work out some legislation that's good for all Americans. It's and, and, I, victory. and I think the uh, news media has a role uh, that they could, if they were doing the job that they're supposed to do, they might be able to allow the two sides to work together for the good of the country. Because you're right. I mean, listen, Biden, he comes from the political establishment. He knows a lot of the Republicans. Under normal circumstances, if there wasn't this fighting between both sides, this polarization and the divide, I bet they could get some good stuff done because, you know, he understands diplomacy and a lot of the Republicans, you know, I think it's just a matter of how they're presented, you know, that they would kind of put their arms down um, and try to compromise on things too. But you can't do that when the news media is firing up the debate, you know, blaming one side for everything, ignoring the reality that everybody sees that they don't want to address and, uh, you know, uh, you know, playing, you know, like PR 
for Biden, giving Biden the confidence that maybe giving him the thought that, you know, hey, I got the media on my side. Uh, that's a pretty powerful weapon. Maybe I should be rigid. Maybe I shouldn't compromise. So it's, I, I'm, I agree with you. I'm worried about the next two years. I'm just not sure where we're going to be headed. And with what's happening, you know, in Afghanistan, I just don't trust the Taliban and, and they're extremist Muslims. You know, they're Muslims are the majority of Muslims are really like the majority of Christians and the majority of Jews. They have a religion. They respect everybody. They respect, you know, they're against violence. Um, but it, there's extremists in every religion and the extremists in the Muslim world tend to be really extreme because they feel they've been oppressed by the Christian world and they play into that um, and they dominate the stage. So they are not just going to walk away and say, hey, we got Afghanistan back. Um, we should be happy. Let's be part of the world order. They're not going to do that. They're going to use Afghanistan as a base to expand and do what they can um, to take out the people that they think are stopping them from imposing their extremist, you know, interpretations of Islam and, and religion. Well said, Raven. Well said. Uh, but there's no debate or discussion about that. I, I was just thinking, I remember when, uh, the uh, Soviet Union crumbled uh, and uh, the country, so many of the countries that made up the Soviet Union and the communist uh, Eastern Bloc all went their own way. Uh, there were several historians that wrote that uh, now that that has happened, history is over. Uh, there's gonna be peace throughout the world. There will be no conflicts whatsoever. Right. Uh, well, that certainly has not turned out to be the case. I think to a great degree, uh, things are much worse now than they were when the Soviet Union and the United States and the rest of the Western world uh, were in, you know, lockstep, right? Island. Uh, 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 yeah, they weren't. We had a Cold War going on, but it was a Cold War. There was no shooting going on. Right. So, and so there is something to be said about having two powerful sides that recognize each other's power and reach a point where they may play some games, but they both know the, the downside of overstepping the bounds and, you know, what, what nuclear war would do. But now it, you're right. There's a lot of, there's disarray out there and you don't have, you know, the same restraints. I, I am worried about, you know, what's going to happen with the, you know, the Russians you know, with Vladimir Putin and what he does. I'm worried about what the Chinese are doing. Um, you know, just the economic stranglehold, you know, the power they have. Um, and I'm wondering, are we doing enough to protect ourselves? Because at what point does that hurt us? You know, at some point, there's a tipping point where the Chinese become so powerful economically that, you know, it, it's going to hurt us, I think. And well, I'm I, just not sure I anybody's doing that. anything. I wish we had uh, people in the uh, federal government that uh, would realize that we cannot continue to buy all this stuff from China. Right. Because, you know, everything we buy from China, they take that money, they're turning it into their military, they're building up their Navy, their Army, their Air Force, uh, all their military 
it's it's a gigantic buildup of military weaponry, yet a great deal of it is being financed by our money for buying all those goods from China. I wish we had a president like Reagan when the Japanese were selling so many cars in this country. I had advocated that we stop them from selling cars in this country for five years until the automobile industry got back on its feet. Well, what Reagan did probably was smarter. In fact, it was smarter. He said to the Japanese, fine, you can sell cars in America, but every car you sell in America has to be made in America. Yeah. Open up plants in the United States. You have to employ, uh, you know, Americans in those plants. You can produce your Japanese cars and sell them here, but that's the only way you're going to be able to do it. So it, we stopped set, shipping the money directly to Japan. They had to do a lot with their money that they were making off their cars here in this country, principally by paying the, their employees in their plants the same wages as the men and women working at uh, Chrysler and GM and Ford were getting. Yeah, I, uh, I, I think that there is, uh, you know, normally you have the news media to raise these issues, not you or me. So, so normally we would be talking about an objective news media saying, you know, pressing, you know, Biden to say, why aren't you doing this? And that pressure then forces the administration to say, yeah, we need to take this serious. You know, there, it's a counterbalance. If you don't have that counterbalance, if the media isn't playing its role, if the two political parties are not playing their role, um, then you have this overconfidence or you don't think of things or you don't see what's really happening. Um, and that's a big danger, I think, you know, for the United States. So I think, I think it's a very big danger. I also think it's a very big danger if the Republican Party once again winds up nominating Donald Trump. Yeah. President of the United States, I think, you know. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, listen, I, and I, I don't mind saying I voted for him the first time because I couldn't support Hillary Clinton. I really felt that there were some problems there. And, but the second time I, I voted for Biden because I felt even though Trump had some good ideas. Yes, he did. And, you know, he just couldn't stop himself from being, you know, uh, had, from the media lighting his fuse and getting him angry over something that was stupid and irrelevant. And it would become a personal thing between him and the media. And he had so much power, he never really used it the right way, I thought. So uh, it just, I don't think he was as, as effective as he could have been. And I had hoped Biden, with all his experience, um, given what we just went through, would be able to change that. But now I'm looking at Biden and I'm going, you know what? I don't think it's possible for him, even if he wanted to change it. Uh, the news media hasn't changed. And I think the news media, controlled by four, five major corporations, they're, you know, they've got corporate businesses that run everything. Um, I don't think they want to change it. Um, and I think that's leading us down a really dark path. I'm not exactly sure how it's going to end up, but I don't have a good feeling about it. Well, we need a man like Ronald Reagan, who believed it was still morning in America. Uh, and uh, I mean, he, he was a man that uh, they criticized very heavily the news media when he was running for president of the United States, uh, but he wound up uh, defeating Jimmy Carter pretty handily. And then uh, 
The next time he ran, he carried every state in the union with the exception of Minnesota and the District of Columbia. And that's because uh, he, he appealed to the center. He appealed to Democrats. He appealed to Republicans. Um, he was not, uh, intellectual elite. He was a common sense American. Right. Yeah. And I agree. I, it would be something. It's hard to know if there's somebody like that out there. I, I don't see it. You know, I don't see another Reagan out there. I, there are a couple, some really good people out there. Uh, I'm not sure if, uh, you know, they're ever going to get to the stage, you know, but I, I agree with you. We definitely need somebody like, uh, you know, Reagan. I think Reagan Democrats have a role to play and we shouldn't just roll over and just take sides, you know, in this ridiculous Biden Trump fight that's, you know, there's no benefit to it whatsoever. And um, well, the media I really should that, come back uh, to the center. I, the first uh, time I voted for president was in 1960. Uh, I voted in every presidential election since then. But in this last presidential election, I voted, but I didn't vote for either one of the two main candidates, Biden or Trump, because Trump I can't stand personally. I thought he was a reprehensible character. Yes. And Biden, I was very concerned about some of the things that he was advocating, which I do not believe are good for this country. So I didn't vote for either one of them. I feel bad about that. Four years earlier, I, I would, had said that I would never vote for Hillary Clinton, but I wound up voting for Hillary Clinton only because she was running against Donald Trump. That was a mistake. I shouldn't have voted for either one of them at that time either. Yeah, it, listen, politics is a relative thing. There's no, there's no such thing as 100% in politics, right? When you find somebody, if they're 65% or 70% of what you want, or maybe even a little more, that's usually pretty good. Um, one day, Reagan we'll, always said in regards to legislation, if I get 70% of what I want, there you I go. think that's a victory. Uh, there you go. I, and I believe in that 70% theory that uh, when you, you know, you go to an elect, you know, you go into an election there's nobody that's going to be a hundred percent. 70% is a perfect uh, margin for me. And it's, I think it's the best we can get. And you hope that things go well from there. Anyway, uh, any other thoughts, Bill? On, uh, yeah, I wish uh, the community would try to uh, be more positive about this country and try to instill uh, in the voters in this country. We do seriously need to come together because this is the greatest country in the world. And we all need to protect it and keep it the greatest country in the world. And that has not been happening for quite a few years now. Yeah, that, that polarization hurts everybody. That divide is hurting everybody, right? Totally, uh, I totally agree with you. Yeah, and, and I agree with you. It's to everybody's benefit if we can get back to at least, we don't have to agree on everything, but we should not be disagreeable. We should be able to sit there and talk without calling each other names um, and find a way to do things. I may not get, like I said, everything I want, but if I get the majority of what I want, um, you know, it's, it's a game of compromise. And if you do that, we could achieve some good things, but I just don't see us moving in that direction. Unfortunately, I don't either. And, uh, Unfortunately, there are not people strong enough in either party to silence the extremists in both parties. Yeah, I agree. Uh, You've been listening to Two Guys on Politics. 
with former Congressman Bill Lipinski and former Chicago City Hall reporter Ray Hanania. The Two Guys on Politics podcast offers opinion commentary on issues in the news on local, regional, and national American politics from the perspective of Reagan Democrats. For more information on their podcast, visit SuburbanChicagoLand.com.